having to do with our purpose. And going through a number of principles tonight. Tonight we're on number 12. And this is going to be a special Bible study. <clears throat> and I doubt if I finish this one. But Lord willing, when we come back, uh, we'll see. We'll, I'll try to finish it tonight. I'll, I'll hurry. Our next principle, it's actually principle number 12 that we're going to talk about tonight. And, and I would to God that everybody would listen. I, I, I would to God that you could get your head around this, this Bible study. But the, the next principle I want to talk about tonight is surviving a shipwreck. Everybody is going to have at least one in your life. Every person in this building, probably before you die, I can just about guarantee you, you're going to come face to face with something that's going to waylay you. It's going to knock you flat on your back. If it hasn't happened, it's probably at some point in your future. I'm not trying to be a prophet of gloom and doom, but that's life. Life can throw you things sometimes that it's just, you don't know where it came from. You don't know why, what did I do to deserve this. I'm trying to serve God and live life you know, the best I can. Why these things happen? Let's talk about it. Acts 27 verse 9. <clears throat> Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. Not only of the lading in the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more uh, part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenix, uh, and there to winter, uh, which is an haven of Crete, and lieth uh, toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. Uh, not long thereafter, there rose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. I find it very interesting <clears throat> in Acts 27. If you wrote notice and read carefully in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll find that Paul had been in previous shipwrecks. This isn't his first one. He had already experienced a couple of shipwrecks, and they came around the, Acts, at the time of Acts chapter 20. But no details whatsoever are given about those events. And so because these other shipwrecks we're not, we're not given any detail about them, then why are we given so much detail here? Why would Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, devote such a long section of Acts to the description of this particular shipwreck? Well, there's a Bible, there's a Bible principle that we need to understand and engage, and Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. First, there's a natural, and then there's a spiritual. In other words... There's natural occurrences that happen in our life that have a spiritual meaning. Now, not everything. Not everything. Somebody says, well, I poured a glass of water this morning. Pastor, what's the spiritual significance of that? Nothing. You just poured a glass of water. 
So we don't have to look for spiritual every time we do something, but sometimes things happen in our natural lives that have a spiritual implication. And that is certainly the case here because God was such a part of this shipwreck. God was such a part of this shipwreck. Paul was finally on his way to Rome, and although he had never expected to go as a prisoner, they set out from Caesarea and began to sail along the coast of the Mediterranean. The voyage had become difficult because of strong winds, and so they transferred to a large grain ship from Egypt, but the strong winds again hindered. The Bible said it took them many days to travel about 130 about 130 miles. Finally, they struggled into the port known as Fair Havens on the south side of the island of Crete. And it's here that the centurion makes his fateful decision to continue the journey. Listen very carefully. The Word of God is filled with the tragic record of men and women who began well, but failed to survive. They began well, but spiritually they failed to survive. Can you imagine what, what it must have felt like? Look, all of us here tonight, everybody here tonight has been in one of our kind of unbiblical terms, but it gets the point across, and I'm not going to split hairs with anybody over it, but a move of the Holy Ghost. We've left here in services where, my God, Felt like I was in heaven. Just, it was just felt like heaven down here. And how could the presence of God be any stronger? Brother Marilyn and I have had this conversation many, many times. Can you imagine how Samson felt the first time the Spirit of the Lord moved on him? And the Bible said that. The Spirit of the Lord moved on him. And I mean, the man probably in our society today could pick up a school bus and walk off with it. He picked up the gates of a city. Now, that ain't a little four-foot chain-link fence like the gate in your backyard. These keeps horses and armies out. He picked them up and went and toted them up a hill and threw them over the side. Can you imagine how magnificent it was the first time the Spirit of the Lord moved on him? As impactful as that beginning was, as amazing as that beginning was, as powerful and anointed as that beginning was, Samson failed spiritually because he could not control his sensual appetite and lust and what have you. I find it interesting, and I like to think along these lines. The Bible doesn't say, but I think it's okay to let your mind wander around in these areas. But when God chose Saul to be Israel's first king, how would that have felt the honor? I mean, they had to go find him, you know, in the luggage department at the airport. You know, they had to go find him and and say, you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy, and was anointed to be the king of the first king of Israel. What an honor. But as awesome and impactful as that beginning was, Saul didn't make it. His pride got a hold of him. Solomon prayed for divine wisdom in his youth, and God endowed him with wisdom. Imagine how that would be. I mean, you've got leaders from all over the world that just wants to chat with you a few minutes. I've heard many, many, many ministers say, I would just love to go one time to Brother T.F. Tenney's house, sit on his front porch with a cup of coffee, 
and just listen to him for an hour. That's kind of the way it was with Solomon. Queen of Sheba came, and she left saying the half's never been told. But as awesome as that beginning was, he failed. He ultimately failed. Judas, the Bible said, was listed as an apostle and failed. Even Paul said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I've preached to others, that I myself should be a castaway. Everybody here tonight has had your little brush with getting lukewarm in your relationship with God and, and, and even backsliding, if you will. And, and we've all brushed up against those experiences. What causes that? What happens? When you have those church services where God makes that indelible impression, man, you've got this presence around you that's more powerful than you know what to do with. You walk out of here feeling like your feet are six inches off the ground. And, and days and months later, it's impossible to attend a prayer meeting. It's impossible to get along somewhere with God. What happens that people start off so impacted by the presence and power of God, but the longer that relationship goes, the more failure there is in that relationship? Storms you could not dream of may have come into your life or will come into your life could come into your family could even happen to the church you attend sooner or later you'll be tested it's the nature of life's voyage look at the screen sometimes through the errors of others through no fault of your own you can become shipwrecked along life's journey. It is even possible for church problems to shipwreck you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 10, Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and hate one another. Jesus said that. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end shall be saved. So, the apostolic church, Grace Church here tonight, Grace Church is here tonight. There's, there's a family, I've, I've reached out to them several times, they've attended here very regular over the past several months, uh, almost well over a year, and they, they just quit coming. I don't know what happened. I texted, I don't get a response. I don't know what happened. Called, left messages, don't get a response. It's hurtful. It's frustrating. Uh, one of our young people have gone wayward. I don't know why. I've asked several people, and I, I get answers, but it doesn't satisfy me. It's more than that. We, and, and, you know, people are going to do things, no matter what you do, as, as a church or a pastor. People are going to do things. They're going to make their choices. I just don't want to be on the church. I don't want the problem to be here. Well, the pastor was whatever, or, or church member was whatever, and I'm just not coming. I don't want to be on the church. Can't control what people think and, and what they do with their life, but I don't want it to be on the church. Does everybody understand me? But the apostolic church is built on people. Listen to pastor tonight. 
The apostolic church is built on people who know how to survive the storms that life throws at them. Look, there's people that attend this church that have been waylaid by stuff, man. Bad stuff. Lost loved ones, have lost children, have lost grandchildren, have been uh, subjected to cancer, marital issues, infidelity, you name it. They survived it. People, the people of God that are really serious about going to heaven knows how to survive the storms of life, even when they're caused by the people who ride with them in the same boat, who's on the same voyage in the same boat going to the same place. But it's tragic. Listen to pastor tonight. It's tragic when saints sink the ship. It's tragic when saints sink the ship. Why does this happen? Why do these things happen? I'm going to give you several reasons tonight. Number one, saints who sink the ship. Who get crossways with the pastor. Who gets crossways with church people. I, I, and, and oftentimes they'll keep coming and they'll keep destroying people one by one and, and pretty soon you have a church split. I'm not trying to be negative tonight. I'm trying to be real. But they cause problems because of the wrong decisions they make. They have a different point of view. They see things different. And uh, so they come to conclusions from a different angle and and they get things in their head, and it's resolute, and, and, and you can't get them to discuss it. You can't get them to sit down and say, well, let's talk about it. Help me understand why you feel the way. No, it is what it is, and I'm done with it. No, that's not good enough for me. I, I, I think, and I want everybody to hear me tonight. If you get crossways with me, if you get crossways with Brother Merrill, any of our pastor staff or church people, our trustee board, whoever it is, you be fair and you be decent, and you have some character enough to say, okay, let's sit down and we'll talk about it. Don't cop this attitude that says, well, I know what happened. I get the picture here. I know what's going on, blah, 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 and I'm out of here or whatever. I'm going to take as many people with me as I can. You be decent enough to sit down and talk about it. I don't want to alarm anybody. There's nothing going on. Ain't nothing happening. But I learned a long time ago, Prevention is a whole lot better than cure. Fair Havens is where they chose to park that ship. <clears throat> it was not the most comfortable place to spend the winter months, and a fair wind at the time of sailing made it look like they could quite easily make it to the next port called Phoenix. Paul admonished them to stay in Fair Havens, fair havens because sailing was dangerous at this time of the year. But they listened to the majority. Instead of the man of God. Oh, God help us tonight. I've seen this happen many, many times. I've stood in people's living rooms. As they've stood in my office and sat in my office. Say, don't do what you're about to do. Don't do it. It's got shipwrecks all over it. It's written all over. It's coming. Shipwreck is coming in a little package. And this is going to blow up on you. No, it ain't. I got it under control. I know what I'm doing. And boom. I've experienced that with people since I've pastored. And you need to listen to the pastor. You do. 
well, I'm smarter than you are, and I've got this degree and that degree. Yeah, but um, God has put the pastor in a very unique place. And God can speak to that pastor and impart wisdom to your life, and we need to be open to that, and everybody say amen. No one thinks their storm is going to be bad enough to, sh- to shipwreck them. And I've seen it happen, man, with marriages. I, I've, I've pleaded with people. Uh, there's a family in my head right now that I grieve over every day, every day. Pleaded with them. And get this, ha, 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 no, everything's good, and we're fine, and da, da, da. And they hadn't lived together, and I don't know when. The kids are tossed from pillar to post and what have you. And I want to say this tonight in passing. For those of you here tonight that have listened to the pastor, thank you, and God bless you, and you're welcome. There's some folks here tonight that want to do some pretty stupid stuff. But you listened. Said, I'll give you what you got to say a shot, and you're still here. Y'all with me? The second thing that happens with saints who sink the ship is they stop resisting this temptation to move on in some different direction and they end up way off course. Notice this in this shipwreck story. These men, the the owners of the ship and the people, the, the captain of the ship and what have you, if they could have seen, listen, this is Bible, If they could have seen that their 50-mile journey around an island, they were just going to go 50 miles, that's it. Could do that in a short amount of time. But it took them 600 miles off course and all the way across the Mediterranean Sea. They'll listen to Paul. They'll just listen. Just listen. Stay where you're at. Do what you ask to do. Trust the man of God. Trust God. And uh, God will take care of it. They hope to outrun the storm and eventually get back on course. But the moment they gave up resisting the wind of that storm is when they lost control. Very few storms simply blow over. In the natural world, they may. I've seen it cloud up around our house and so have you. And you just think that you need to go build you an ark and get in it for the next... However long, and you get two or three drops of rain and wonder what in the world happened. Anybody ever experienced that? I have many times. But in the spiritual world, when you see clouds brewing, it don't always blow over that easy. There's, there's things that you need to be sensitive to and aware of. And we have to understand uh, that sin, especially sins of the Spirit, will take you much further away from God than you ever intended to go. The third thing that happens, and this is kind of where I was this a little while ago before we began Bible study, but the third thing that causes saints to sink the ship is they concentrate on surviving instead of progressing. And you can't do that. If you're not going forward spiritually, you're going backwards. There's no neutral. There's not a neutral. You're either getting more fiery for God or you're getting more lukewarm. There's not a neutral. It don't take missing two or three prayer meetings until it becomes a habit and you say it's not a big deal. And then pretty soon you're missing Wednesday night and then pretty soon you're missing Sunday morning. Sister Murphy's ran into some folks here consistently 
uh, just recently. Die-hard people. Die-hard people that missing anything at church. I mean the church, the people that clean the church could show up and these folks would come up and want to fellowship. Never miss nothing. Things happen, man. Storms come. I know what I'm talking about tonight. Things happen in people's lives. You don't see it now. But this person said to Sister Murphy, they don't attend here, it's a casual acquaintance, but said, we pretty much quit going on Wednesday night to the church that they attend, and now it's getting to the point where we're not going that much on Sunday. And uh, the things that me and my spouse like to do at church, we put all that stuff away. Don't even have any plans on ever using that stuff again, our gifts and our talents and that kind of thing. I'm telling you here tonight, it can start off as a little gentle breeze, but behind that is a motive of the enemy and, and a motive of carnality that will drive you far, far away to a place that you never dreamed that you would ever end up at. And you look back and say, how in the world did it ever happen? It's hard to make a comeback sometimes. <clears throat> And it's when people begin to concentrate on surviving. You know, I'm just trying to survive my marriage. You know, if I can get my kids grown and out of the home, then if I can just survive till, till they're gone. You know, if I can just survive till I retire. If I can just survive till we get that new house. If I can just survive till I get that raise. Survival mode is deadly, man. You can't tread water forever. You've got to start moving in some direction. Well, I encourage people to keep your relationship with God fresh no matter what it takes. I don't care how spiritual you are, you still need to pray. I don't care how long you've known God, you still need to read your Bible. You need to do that every day. Every day. And when you decide that I'm just going to go into survival mode instead of trying to move forward and get to an area that's more secure and more anointing and more passion and more productivity... It, 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 it don't have a good end to it when you go into survival mode. The Bible said they used ropes and chains to wrap around the ship to keep it together. They tried to reinforce the beams and plug the leaks, the, the leaks in it. They pulled down the sails, and they just concentrated on surviving. Entering survival mode can make us feel like we're still accomplishing something, but it only prolongs the inevitable. You know, you feel good sometimes when you wake up the next morning and you're still married to that guy. Boy, I accomplished something tonight, man. I made it through another 24 hours. You're not accomplishing. You're in survival mode. And it feels like movement when it's not. Y'all understand me? I'm doing my best tonight. I'm giving you all I got. <laughs> Entering survival mode is... Can be uh can be deadly. If you ever get burnt out, you sit back and you take some time to recoup, but you get right back in the saddle. The fourth thing that causes saints to sink the ship is they throw out necessities in a vain effort to make things better. This is brilliant to me with what they did, and they did it with Jonah in that story. They cast out even the tackling of the ship. These are things you need. It's the most basic things, man. You, you can't move a ship forward without this stuff. It ain't going nowhere. So now you've completely taken away all propulsion to go forward. 
many people think that as long as they are religious, I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to be dependable. I don't have to be faithful. I don't have to commit to anything. You know, if I, if I have a need, God will come help me. I don't have to do anything for Him, but I want Him to do everything for me. So as long as I have a need and I can pray, God will help I know people, they're saints that's known God for years, and they live in that mentality, man. I don't understand it. As a matter of fact, people get to the point where they want you to do their praying for them. I get that all the time. Pastor, will you pray for me? Okay, we had prayer tonight from 7 o'clock to 7.15. Why weren't you in here praying? I was. You were out in the lobby, walking up and down the hall, talking on the phone, whatever. You, you need prayer? Come on in. We're not going to bite you. I challenged somebody on this about 10 years ago. Called consistently. Pray for this, pray for that, pray for this. I finally said, you know what? It just dawned on me. We have prayer meetings at church. I never see you. Why don't you come out and pray? And they just went, huh? That was kind of the end of it. They still hadn't showed up. It's amazing. Prayer is your lifeline. And no one can pray in your place. I can pray for you and I can pray with you, but I can't pray on your behalf. I can't go and say, God, it's not pastor today, it's brother so-and-so, it's sister so-and-so today, so just play like I'm them. I've often been tempted. This isn't biblical. It's worth a try, I guess. But to get people to pray for like 30 minutes and record it. And at least play it from time to time. And just see if it worked. Brother Ben, I don't know if it'd work or not. But I mean, it's better than doing nothing. Just when you arrive at church on Wednesday night at 7, just come in here and push a button on your tape player. It's your voice and you're praying to God. You can go on out and do whatever you want to do. At least he's hearing you. I'm not recommending anybody do that. It was just a thought. <clears throat> I'm trying to make every, yeah, every kind of little allowance or whatever I can here. But if you need something's going on in your life and you want God to answer, you come here and pray for it. Okay, you get the point. You can't throw prayer out. And, and just because people say they're religious and they attend church and they're a member somewhere, you think that'll save you from storms that, that life deals you, and it doesn't. Problems are going to come to you whether you're serving God or not. Have y'all ever known of a child of God that no one in their family ever died or ever got sick or they never had any problems or anything? I don't know anybody like that. People still die when you know Jesus. Y'all know that? You will attend a funeral now and then. I know I sound really stupid up here tonight, but I really believe people think this way. That if I serve God, all my problems go away. No, they don't. It's just that God, you have God with you in all your problems. And that's where it's so significant. So you can't throw your spiritual disciplines out. God doesn't expect you to throw out, for example, this is a, a good point here, he doesn't expect you to throw out your personality to please him. You can still be you. You don't have change in some zombie, and you walk around like you're hypnotized all the time. Still be you and enjoy your relationship with God. 
He doesn't want you to demand that of anyone else. He wants all of you, including your personality. He wants your heartache. He wants your heartbreak. He wants the good times. He wants your commitment, so on. Christianity is more than just gritting your teeth in a joyless existence. You enjoy your relationship with God. And you know, I'm full tonight, and I've got more here. I'm just, I'm not going to have time. I'll do my best, but... You know, there's relationships in people's lives are so sour anyway. Marriages aren't good. Relationships with their kids aren't good. Relationships with their parents aren't good. So you, you, you don't intend to do it, but you also pass that off on God, and you don't have a healthy relationship with Him. I had somebody walk up to me one time with this, Our Father, which art in heaven, if God is my Father, I don't have anything to do with Him. You don't know who my Father is. Mistreated and abused and da-da-da-da-da. And people carry that over in their relationship with God. And, and when you're crossways with p- people in your life that you're supposed to love and they're supposed to love you back, it's hard to ascend over that and have a normal relationship with God where you love him and he loves you back. We, we apply all those rules to God. And it, it's, it's, it's a mistake. It's, it, you, you're throwing out valuable things, trying to survive. I could spend a lot of time on each one of these points Number five, it's things that saints do that cause the ship to sink, is they lose their hope, and then they fall apart. Once people lose their hope, you know what hope means? <clears throat> hope is to desire with expectation of fulfillment. Hope means to desire with expectation of fulfillment. So when people lose their hope, they just end up going through the motions of religion. They no longer really believe that God will do what he promised. That's why people say, pray for me all the time. I'll tell you something else, too, in passing. There's often times that people want prayer, but they don't want it answered. They enjoy the attention of being prayed for. Oh, the pastor prayed for me today. Just me. How wonderful is that? And if God answers that prayer, then I won't have to ask him to pray for me anymore. So if God don't answer that prayer. I know people... Don't want to be healed. If they're healed, they don't get all the attention. All right. But people no longer really believe that God will do what he promised. So it was in the midst of failure that Paul stood with a message of hope. And he said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. You're going to lose a ship, the ship's history, but everybody's life is going to be saved. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. So don't get offended at the preacher who tells you that you made a wrong decision or that you may be way off course. The only reason you are offended is that you know he is speaking The truth. The storm wasn't over, but for Paul the storm was as good as over because he had heard from God. I know how this is going to end. We're going to lose a ship, but nobody's going to die. So he could be happy. He could be of good cheer. He can get on that plank and float to the next island and be happy about it because God had already spoke to him. I'm telling you folks here tonight... 
there's a hope and a faith that you can put in the Word of God and you can know beyond any shadow of a doubt that no matter what I'm facing, if I hang on to God, if I keep my attitude straight with God, He's going to get me through this. I'm going to come through it and everything's going to be okay. No matter what happens, God will take care of me. So, this is not the typical happy ending story. In fact, the worst is yet to come for them, as I just mentioned, and that's why many people never survive the storm. They hear from God and then expect the sun to begin to shine immediately. Paul knew that the storm wasn't over, and the worst part of it was still to come. But he had a promise from God that you're going to survive it, and so is everyone else. But when we hear from God, you know, and Brother Holland comes and he does his thing and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and we expect to walk out of here and then everything is great. Not always. There's still some battles to fight. There's still some mountains to climb. There's still some stormy times to go through. But if you hang on, <laughs> if you just keep on moving forward, man, do the best you can. If it's little baby steps, do the best you can. Somebody hear me tonight. Even when the hits keep coming. Man, I prayed through the Holy Ghost good Sunday morning. And I go to work Monday morning and get waylaid by the boss. Where's God and all this stuff? He's there. He, he hasn't gone nowhere. He's got it. He's got you. Sister Melanie is a living, breathing, tremendous example of this with her little darling of a grandson. Needs a haircut, but we'll talk about that another time. But Cohen is an amazing story. And she felt like in the hospital room that God's got this, but he still had a brain surgery to go through. Now, God could have healed him, and he didn't have to do that. There's a little testing time. And she stood tall, and so did his parents. And they all came out smelling like a rose. You hear me? Just because God speaks doesn't mean all the problems go away. There's sometimes still a storm to go through. When the ship hit the rocks, Paul had to jump in those cold, stormy waters and swim for his life, but he still had to hold on to God's promise. And while the sailors mocked, <clears throat> the sails was ripped off, the boat fell apart around him, Paul paced the deck and encouraged the crew. I kept saying, I believe God, and he even believed God while he was swimming for his life. He still believed God. Paul said, I've learned, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in therewith to be <coughs> content. So it didn't matter what happened to him once he had heard from God. God took the sting out of the storm. <coughs> I remember Sister Mary Edwards, stalwart woman of faith, diagnosed with cancer, and it just took her over in just days. And uh, we went to, stood at her bedside, and I said, Sister Edwards, let's pray. She said, please don't. Just let me go. Let me go. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, standing there like a moron, and you want to pray the prayer of faith. And she said, please don't. I've got another storm to go through, but it's got a happy ending to it. Just let me go. Folks, I believe in this kind of resolute faith in God, man. We, you're going to go through some stuff, and people are going to fail you, and all kind of bad things are going to happen. 
but you keep moving forward. I'm going to try to wrap this up as quickly as I can. When the pastor hears from God, you're still going to go through rough water, but the promise of God is still true. Don't let the waters, the rough waters of storm shipwreck you drink. The, the second thing I want to talk to you about tonight, the second principle. <clears throat> the first was surviving the storm. The second one is witnessing through weakness. And this is huge to me. I want you to notice Paul said in Acts 28, and I'm going to go real quick. Got five minutes. I think y'all owe me some time, by the way. There was a couple of Wednesday nights ago I dismissed early. Does anybody remember that? One. Right. Um, but I'm going to go as quick as I can. Acts 28, 20. For this cause, therefore, have I called you, God saying, Paul spoke to him, to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel, for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Colossians 4.18, the salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. I want everybody to give me about five minutes. We all know that Paul was one of the greatest men in the Bible. And now he's in the greatest city of the Bible. the greatest city Paul had ever seen. He's in the city of Rome with more than a million citizens. In addition to about a million slaves living on its seven hills. He was placed again under house arrest, constantly chained to a soldier, but able to receive friends, write letters, and even preach. Once again, he shared the truth about Jesus with the Jews first, but when most of them refused him, he turned to the Gentiles. For two years, while he was in jail, he had to pay for his own lodging. Luke's book of Acts ends here because it was written as evidence for his upcoming trial before Caesar. Now you might think that Paul's constant imprisonment was a depressing thing for him. And it certainly could have been and probably would be for me, and I'll be honest. To the human spirit, there's nothing worse than chains and confinement. And yet when we get right down to it, everyone has chains of some kind. Chains can alter your perception of how powerful, intelligent, and good you are. It can make you feel helpless and dependent and conscious of your weakness. I want you to notice that in his first epistle, Paul introduced himself as Paul an apostle. Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead. But he goes on in 1 Corinthians 15. The least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. He goes in that, in that verse to talk about some suffering. Everybody say some. In Ephesians 3.8, he talks about more suffering. That he felt that he, he, he felt he had suffered even more, less than the least of all saints, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And finally, after two years and change in Rome, he finally realized that, I'm, that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Paul acknowledged his chains. He acknowledged all the things wrong in his life. He acknowledged all the things that ain't working out. All the things ain't pretty. Here's an apostle that is a, a keg of dynamite sitting in jail. But he did not let his chains prevent him from doing what God had called him to do. And this is one of the greatest difficulties that church people have. Look at the screen. It's a common misconception that chains prevent growth 
and effective work that the slightest difficulty in circumstances or drop in privileges is reason enough to just simply quit. I've had this happen with church leadership. You know, I can't teach Sunday school anymore. I'm having a mole removed from my forehead, and I'm going to be out for six months. Using something as an excuse, that's almost not exaggerated. It's real close to being accurate. I can't be any more specific than that. But people use things. I had a spat with my spouse, and I've, 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 we've had church leadership people sit down because school started. Kids are in school, and I can't do XYZ job at church no more. We have to accept our chains. I really don't call a lot of these things suffering, but in our wimpy society, I, I suppose it is. Oh, Brother Murphy, I had to work 30 minutes extra this week. I, I can't be in church for a month. <clears throat> That's almost not an exaggeration. If we could accept that thorn in the flesh, the things that happen to us, don't use it as something to debilitate us and to cause us to fail and to get weak and flimsy and I can't do, I can't do, but use it as more of a reason to say that I can. You're looking at a man that lives this every day of my life. My personality, I've been transparent. I fight this stuff. I'm not that smart. I had a conversation with somebody recently. You know, why did God call me to do this job? I'm the most unqualified man on the planet. But since God called me by God, I'm going to do it. Maybe that's why you can't really be smart. If you're dumb enough... <laughs> You do it anyway. You don't know any better. I hope I'm talking to somebody here tonight. I'm being as honest and true blue as I can. Our chains cannot be an excuse for us not to serve. You can turn that around and let it be a motivation that in my weakness, God's going to make me strong. In my inability, God's going to come through and He's going to make me able. God's going to empower me. God's going to work through me. Look, if you had totally had your act together and everything in life was perfect, you wouldn't even need God. And oftentimes, our deficiencies are brought to our attention not to make us feel inferior, but to make us feel dependent on God and let Him empower us so that we can accomplish and achieve far more than we ever hoped and dreamed and we'd ever. Now, y'all can sit there and say, well, you don't understand. Read the Bible. And all of these people, particularly in the New Testament, they got beat up, man. They had all kind of stuff going on in their life, but they didn't let it stop them from being productive. And when I have time at some point in the future, Lord willing, we'll do it. Uh, since we're out of Wednesday nights until the first of the year, we're going to turn a corner uh, and, and talk about something else in January. But uh, we'll talk to you about that Sunday. Uh, but this idea that we have of using our weaknesses as a reason why we can't instead of focusing on our strengths and using that as a reason we can, we need to understand sometimes, folks, that the reason we're, we feel weak and we feel flimsy and we have to be catered to and we're spoiled or whatever it's because we've not, not really had to push through our difficult times and our fiery moments. The storms hit everybody, but you keep going. 
You keep going. But you don't know what happened to me as a child. No, I don't. But you don't know what happened to me as a child either, so we're even. But I'm making a big deal out of mine and using it to move me forward. I don't want to live in that mentality, man. I don't want to live in poor mentality. I don't want to live in beat-down mentality. I don't want to live in abused mentality. I don't want to live in mistreated mentality. And that preacher said something 48 years ago that offended me. Get over it by now for real. I don't want to be just a survivor, man. You know, you see all these T-shirts, I survived. And Jeff Foxworthy had the best one I've ever heard. Y'all ever tried to figure out how they adjust the length of a bungee cord? Y'all know what a bungee cord is. It's a giant rubber band tied to your feet, and you jump off of a 5,000-mile high cliff, and you go head first into the rocks below. You ever wondered how they figure out how to do that? You ever wondered on the first guy that did it, it might have been a little too long? Adjust the next one up a little bit, Fred. You know, get him another three feet off the ground. <clears throat> Give his wife I Survive t-shirt. All of us can wear a t-shirt saying that we survived something. But you know what? I want to be more than a survivor. The Bible don't want us to be survivors. The Bible said, actually, we're overcomers. You overcome that. Jesus said, be full of joy because I've overcome the world. You ain't been through nothing that he hasn't been through, and you won't go through nothing that he hasn't gone through. And he made it. And for the joy set before him, he did it. And if he can do it, he can empower us to do it. So I say let's take a hold of life. Let's take the bull by the horns, if you will, and let's enjoy every minute of it. Take it in stride and keep moving forward, what do you say? This is a good Bible study tonight. Give the Lord some appreciation. So don't anybody walk up to me tonight with a problem. Don't come tell me what's wrong. You want to talk to me, tell me something that's right. And we're going to start building and moving forward. We're going to come out of this negative. All right, y'all got the point. God bless you. Thank you for giving me four extra minutes. Get up, move around the building and smile. Don't share problems and heartaches and sad stories. Say something positive to somebody. Let's start moving forward. Get up.